Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. For the best way to fall asleep with nightfalls, you can now become a premium supporter. Enjoy the entire back catalog of nightfalls classics, all with a rich, immersive and totally ad-free experience. If you love falling asleep to Nightfalls, Nightfalls Premium will elevate your sleep while helping to support myself and the team. We love creating Nightfalls, but without supporters, it wouldn't be possible. Join Nightfalls Premium today in just two taps on both Apple Podcasts or via the Supercast link found in the show notes for all other podcast players. Your sleep will thank you for it, and so will I. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Hi, I'm Jeffrey. Welcome back to Nightfalls. Come, settle in for tonight's soothing bedtime story. As always, don't worry if you fall asleep before the end. You can drift off whenever you're ready. Have you been enjoying my stories recently? If so, please leave me a review. I'd love to know what you think. Come, get settled beside the campfire and allow me to read you a little of one of my favourite tales, Robinson Crusoe. Even as a young boy, I rather fancied myself as an adventurer. On holidays to the mountains and in the shade of seaside sand dunes, I could always be found building shelters and going in search of firewood that my dad, rightly so, never allowed me to set alight. It wasn't until I returned to Nightfalls that I came to understand the true meaning of Crusoe's tale. 
For just as his time stranded on an island taught him, nightfalls taught me the true pleasure of living simply off the land. Before we begin, here's a word from our valued sponsors who make this free content possible. Years have now passed since the unfortunate events that led me to be stranded alone upon this island. And having long ago resigned to my circumstances and built a place to call home, I am now presently of mind to see and explore the whole island. So I now resolve to travel quite across to the seashore on the other side, taking my gun, a hatchet, and my dog with two biscuit cakes and a great bunch of raisins in my pouch for my store. I began my journey. When I had passed the vale where my garden stood, I came within view of the sea to the west, and it being a very clear day, I observed a distant land. Whether an island or a continent, I could not tell, but it lay very high, extending from the west to the west-southwest at a very great distance but my guess it could not be less than 15 or 20 leagues off. I could not tell what part of the world this might be, other than I knew it must be part of America, and as I concluded by all my observations, it must be near the Spanish dominions. After some thought upon this affair, I considered that if this land was the Spanish coast, I should certainly, one time or other, see some vessel pass or repass one way or other. But if not, then it was the savage coast between the Spanish country and Brazil's. With this, I quieted my mind and left off afflicting myself with fruitless wishes of being there. With these considerations, I walked very leisurely forward. I found that the side of the island where I now was to be much more pleasant than mine. The open or savanna fields sweet, adorned with flowers and grass, and full of very fine woods. I saw abundance of parrots, and fain I would have caught one, if possible, and taught it to speak to me. I did, after some painstaking, catch a young parrot, which I brought home. But it was some years before I could make him speak. However, at last, I taught him to call me by name, very familiarly. I found in the low grounds hares and foxes, 
but they differed greatly from all the other kinds I'd met with. But I had no need to be venturous, for I had no want of food, and of that which was very good too, especially goats, pigeons, and turtle, or tortoise, which added to my grapes. Leadenhall Market could not have furnished a table better than I, in proportion to the company, and though my situation was unfortunate, I had great cause for thankfulness that I was not driven to any extremities for food, but had rather plenty, even a degree of luxury. I never travelled in this journey more than two miles outright in a day, or thereabouts, but I took so many turns and returns to see what discoveries I could make that I found myself weary by the day's end and more than ready to find a place to rest for the night and either reposed myself in a tree or surrounded myself with a row of stakes set upright in the ground so that no wild creature could come at me without waking me. As soon as I reached the seashore, I was surprised to see that I had made my home on the worst side of the island. For here, indeed, the shore was covered with innumerable turtles, whereas on the other side of the island I'd found but three in a year and a half. Here was also an infinite number of fowls of many kinds, some which I had seen before, and some I had not. I knew the names of none except for penguins. I confess this side of the country was much more pleasant than mine, yet I had not the least inclination to move, for I had become attached to my habitation, and it seemed all the while I was here to be as though I were on a journey and away from where I had come to call home. I travelled along the shore of the sea towards the east, I suppose about twelve miles, and then, setting up a great pole upon the shore for a mark, I concluded I would return home, and that the next journey I took should be on the other side of the island east from my dwelling, and so round till I came to my post again. I took another way back than I came, thinking I could easily keep all the island so much in my view that I could not miss finding my first dwelling by viewing the country. But I found myself mistaken, for having travelled about two or three miles, I found myself descended into a very large valley, but so surrounded with hills, and those hills covered with wood that I could not see which was my way by any direction but that of the sun, nor even then, unless I knew very well the position of the sun at that time of the day. It happened, to my further misfortune, that the weather proved hazy for three or four days while I was in the valley, and not being able to see the sun, I wandered about very uncomfortably and at last was obliged to find the seaside, look for my post, and come back the same way I went. And then, by easy journeys, I turned homeward, the weather being exceedingly hot, 
and my gun, ammunition, hatchet, and other things very heavy. In this journey, my dog surprised a young goat, and I, running in to take hold of it, caught it and protected it from the animal. I had a great mind to bring it home if I could, for I had often mused whether it might be possible to get a goat or two, and so raise a breed of tame goats. I made a collar for this little creature, and with a string, which I made out of some rope yam, which I always carried about with me, I led him along, though with some difficulty, until I came to my garden, and there I enclosed him and left him for a while, for I was very impatient to be at home, from whence I had been absent over a month. I cannot express what a satisfaction it was to me to return to my old hutch and lie down in my hammock bed. This little wandering journey, without settled place of abode, had been so unpleasant to me that my own house, as I called it to myself, was a perfect settlement to me compared to that, and it rendered everything about me so comfortable that I resolved I would never go a great distance from it again while it should be my lot to reside on the island. I reposed myself here for some time to rest and regale myself after my long journey, during which most of the time was taken up in the weighty affair of making a cage for my new-found parrot, who began now to be well acquainted with me. Then I began to think of the goat which I'd penned in within my little garden and resolved to go and fetch it home or give it some food. Accordingly I went and found it where I left it. I went and cut boughs of trees and branches of such shrubs as I could find and threw it over and having fed it, I tied it as I did before to lead it away. But it was so tame with wanting food that I had no need to have tied it, for it followed me like a dog, and as I continually fed it, the creature became so loving, so gentle, and so fond that it became from that time attached to me and would never leave me afterwards. The rainy season of the autumnal equinox had now arrived and I kept the 30th of September in the same solemn manner as before, being the anniversary of my landing on the island, having now been there two years and no more prospect of being rescued than the first day I came there. I spent the whole day in humble and thankful acknowledgments of the many wonderful mercies which my solitary condition was attended with, and without which it might have been infinitely more miserable. I gave humble and hearty thanks to discover that it was possible I might be more happy in this solitary condition 
than I should have been in the liberty of society and in all the pleasures of the world. It was now that I began sensibly to feel how much more happy this life I now led was, with all its miserable circumstances, than the abominable life I led all the past part of my days. And now I changed both my sorrows and my joys. My very desires altered. My affections changed their gusts. And my delights were perfectly new. From what they were at my first coming, or, indeed, for the two years past. Before, as I walked about, either on my hunting or for my viewing the country, the anguish of my soul at my condition would break out upon me on a sudden, and my very heart would die within me. To think of the woods, the mountains, the deserts I was in, and how I was a prisoner locked up with the eternal bars and bolts of the ocean in an uninhabited wilderness without redemption. But now I began to exercise myself with new thoughts. From this moment I began to conclude in my mind that it was possible for me to be more happy in this forsaken, solitary condition than it was probable I should ever have been in any other particular state in the world. And with this thought, I was thankful for finding myself in this place. Thus, in this disposition of mine, I began my third year, and, though I have not given a detailed account of my works this year, in general, it may be observed that I was very seldom idle, having regularly divided my time according to the several daily employments that were before me, including hunting for food, which generally took me up three hours in every morning when it did not rain, maintaining my home and tending my crops, Also, it is to be considered that in the middle of the day, when the sun was in the zenith, the force of the heat was too great to labour outside, so that about four hours in the evening was all the time I could be supposed to work in, with the exception that sometimes I changed my hours of hunting and working, and went to work in the morning and hunting in the afternoon. To this short time allowed for labour, a desire may be added the exceeding laboriousness of my work, the many hours which, for want of tools, want of help, and want of skill, everything I did took up out of my time. For example, I was full two and forty days in making a board for a long shelf, 
which I wanted in my cave. Whereas, two sawyers, with their tools and a sawpit, would have cut six of them out of the same tree in half a day. My case was this. It was to be a large tree which was to be cut down, because my board was to be a broad one. This tree I was three days in cutting down, and two more cutting off the boughs, and reducing it to a log or piece of timber. With inexpressible hacking and hewing, I reduced both the sides of it into chips, till it began to be light enough to move. Then I turned it, and made one side of it smooth and flat as a board, from end to end. Then, turning that side downward, cut the other side, till I brought the plank to be about three inches thick, and smooth on both sides. Anyone may judge the labour of my hands in such a piece of work, but labour and patience carried me through that, and many other things. I only observe this in particular, to show the reason why so much of my time went away with so little to show for it. That which might be a simple task to be done with help and tools was a vast labour and required a prodigious amount of time to do alone and by hand. But notwithstanding this, with patience and labour I got through everything that my circumstances made necessary to me to do, as will appear by what follows. I was now, in the months of November and December, expecting my crop of barley and rice. The ground I had manured and dug up for them was not great, for, as I observed, my seed of each was not above the quantity of half a peck, for I had lost one whole crop by sowing in the dry season. But now, as my crop showed great promise, I found I was suddenly in danger of losing it all again by enemies of several sorts, which it was scarcely possible to keep from it. As, first, the goats and wild creatures which I called hares, who, tasting the sweetness of the blade, lay in it night and day as soon as it came up, and ate it so close that it could get no time to shoot up into stalk. This I saw no remedy for but by making an enclosure about it with a hedge, which I did with a great deal of toil, and the more, because it required speed. However, as my arable land was but small, suited to my crop, I got it totally well fenced in about three weeks' time, and set my dog to guard it in the night, tying him up to a stake at the gate, where he would stand and bark all night long. So in a little time, the enemies forsook the place, and the corn grew very strong and well, and began to ripen apace. But, as the beasts ruined me before, 
while my corn was in the blade, so the birds were as likely to ruin me now, when it was in the air. 4. Going along by the place to see how it throve, I saw my little crop surrounded with fowls, of I know not how many sorts, who stood, as it were, watching till I should be gone. I immediately let fly among them, for I always had my gun with me. I had no sooner shot the air that there rose up a cloud of fowls, for which I had not seen at all from among the corn itself. This touched me sensibly, for I foresaw that in a few days they would devour all my hopes, that I should never be able to raise a crop at all, and what to do I could not tell. However, I resolved not to lose my corn, if possible, though I should watch it night and day. In the first place, I went among it to see what damage was already done, and found they had spoiled a good deal of it, but that, as it was yet too green for them, the loss was not so great, but that the remainder was likely to be a good crop, if it could be saved. I stayed by it to load my gun, and then coming away, I could easily see the thieves sitting upon all the trees about me, as if they only waited till I was gone away, and the event proved it to be so. For as I walked off, as if I was gone, I was no sooner out of their sight than they dropped down one by one into the corn again. I was so provoked that I could not have the patience to stay till more came on, knowing that every grain that they ate now was, as it might be said, a peck loaf to me in the consequence. But coming up to the hedge, I fired into the air, and off they went. I soon set about fashioning scarecrows. It is impossible to imagine that this should have such an effect as it had, for the fowls would not only not come at the corn, but, in short, they forsook all that part of the island, and I could never see a bird near the place as long as my scarecrows hung there. This I was very glad of, you may be sure, and about the latter end of December, which was our second harvest of the year, I reaped my corn. I was sadly lacking a scythe or sickle to cut it down, and all I could do was to make one, as well as I could, out of one of the broadswords, or cutlasses, which I saved among the arms out of the ship. However, as my first crop was but small, I had no great difficulty to cut it down. In short, I reaped it in my way, for I cut nothing off but the ears and carried it away in a great basket which I had made, and so rubbed it out with my hands. And at the end of all my harvesting, I found that out of my half-peck of seed, I had near two bushels of rice 
and about two bushels and a half of barley. That is to say, by my guess, for I had no measure at that time. However, this was a great encouragement to me, and I foresaw that, in time, it would please God to supply me with bread. And yet here I was perplexed again, for I neither knew how to grind or make meal of my corn, or indeed how to clean it and part of it, nor, if made into meal, how to make bread of it, and if how to make it, yet I knew not how to bake it. These things being added to my desire of having a good quantity for store, and to secure a constant supply, I resolved not to taste any of this crop, but to preserve it all for seed against the next season. And in the meantime, to employ all my study and hours of working to accomplish this great work of providing myself with corn and bread. It might be truly said that now I worked for my bread. I believe few people have thought much upon the strange multitude of little things necessary in the providing, producing, curing, dressing, making, and finishing this one article of bread. I, that was reduced to a mere state of nature, found this to be my daily discouragement, and was made more sensible of it every hour. Even after I had got the first handful of corn seed, which, as I have said, came up unexpectedly, and indeed to a surprise. First, I had no plough to turn up the earth, no spade or shovel to dig it. Well, this I conquered by making a wooden spade. This did my work, but in a wooden manner, and though it cost me a great many days to make it, yet, for want of iron, it not only wore out soon, but made my work all the harder. However, this I bore with, and was content to work it out with patience, and bear with the poor performance. When the corn was sown, I had no harrow, but was forced to go over it myself, and drag a great heavy bough of a tree over it, to scratch it, as it may be called, rather than rake or harrow it. When it was growing and grown, I have observed already how many things I wanted to fence it, secure it, mow or reap it, cure and carry it home, thrash, part it from the chaff, and save it. Then I wanted a mill to grind it, sieves to dress it, yeast and salt to make it into bread, and an oven to bake it. But all these things I did without, and yet the corn was an inestimable comfort and advantage to me too. All this, as I said, made everything laborious and tedious to me. But that there was no help for.
Neither was my time so much lost to me, because a certain part of it was every day appointed to these works. And, as I had resolved to use none of the corn for bread until I had a greater quantity, I had the next six months to apply myself wholly by labor and invention to furnish myself with utensils suitable for making the corn and finally providing myself with that most nourishing of foods a hearty comforting loaf of bread <laughs>